Hey friend, Graham Baldwin here with The Speaker Lab. Hey, wouldn't it be nice if someone gave you the exact process to find and book more speaking gigs in 2024? That'd be nice, right? Well, I'll tell you what, we're just gonna do that for you. We've created a new 18-page guide based on Dan Irvin's process that helped him actually book over $100,000 in speaking gigs in the past year. Now, Dan is one of our uh, team members here. He's this, a very successful speaker and also one of our coaches. And so you're gonna learn how to get started prospecting, master discovery calls, proposal emails, and so much more. All you got to do is go to thespeakerlab.com slash steps. Again, that's plural, thespeakerlab.com slash steps. We're going to send you that PDF guide right to your inbox. Again, that is thespeakerlab.com slash steps. That's it. That's all you got to do. Go there. Hey, thanks for listening. We appreciate it. You're awesome. Hey, what's up, my friends? Grant Baldwin here. Welcome back to the Speaker Lab Podcast. I hope you're doing well. Hope you're having a great day. And I uh, hope you're continuing to book speaking engagements and make a little dent in the world. Hey, as I've often told you before, if you are looking for a step-by-step plan and system on how to find and book speaking engagements, uh, I would encourage you to attend one of our upcoming free trainings where we are teaching you a step-by-step plan on exactly how to do that. So if you want to know how to do that, you definitely want to stop by freespeakerworkshop.com. Again, that is freespeakerworkshop.com. And again, we're going to walk you through exactly how you can find and book speaking engagements, how you can share your message with the world and how you can make a income and an impact. All right. Hey, let's get to today's guest. Today, we're talking with my good buddy, Chris Ducker, my brother from another mother. And Chris actually has a brand new book out that I highly recommend and encourage you to check out. It's the book called Rise of the Youpreneur. It's out now. Definitely stop by and check that out. In our conversation today, Chris and I, we talk about how to position yourself as an expert. We talk about how to overcome imposter syndrome. This is something that a lot of speakers, a lot of uh, entrepreneurs and youpreneurs, as Chris would call them, deal with. And so we talk about how to deal with that. We talk also about how to build your personal brand beyond just speaking. So I know because you're listening, you're interested in speaking, but I know from talking with a lot of people that you're probably also interested in building your business beyond the stage. So that may be creating a course, creating a podcast, creating a blog, building an email list, could be coaching or consulting any number of products or services that you may be looking at, maybe even publishing a book like Chris has done here. So a lot of great information here with Chris. So definitely tune in, lock in, and let's get right into it. Hope you enjoy this uh, conversation with my buddy, Chris Ducker. What's up, my friends? Hey, today hanging out with my good buddy, Chris Ducker, who is uh, one of the, the baldest and most beautiful men that I know. How are you today, dude? I'm so good. And for somebody as beautiful and as bold as you to say that about me, I just feel so very, very blessed right now. Well, Chris and I have been longtime friends and hung out together a lot and uh, got a lot of admiration and respect for him. So I appreciate you hanging out with us today. So you got a a new book that we're going to be touching on a little bit today that is now out called Rise of the Youpreneur. So I want to dig into that because I know that there's a lot there for for speakers and I know that you also have done a lot of speaking as well. So mm-hmm. let's start yeah. by talking about from a, before we get into the, the youpreneur side of things, historically, let's kind of backtrack. What kind of speaking have you done in the past and, and how has speaking kind of fit into your business? Well, I mean, I guess really my speaking kind of began with things like seminars and workshops right the way back in the UK. I was in the publishing and the event organization space in the UK for about a decade. I only ever actually had two employees or rather two employers in my life. And so we would hold seminars, we would hold workshops. I became pretty good at training sales teams as well. And we would you know, go to one particular spot in the country and we would have the sales teams come in from all these different other locations in the UK and as well as Europe as well. And so that was kind of my first kind of foray into 
public speaking, quote unquote, was some groups of sort of, you know, 10, 12, 15, 20 people. And then it sort of goes, it went, you know, obviously you got more and more sort of intensive from there. Yeah. But it wasn't actually really until about 2011 when I started to get, I mean, I, I started to get active online as a content creator and marketer in 2010. But that personal brand started to get built up pretty darn quickly. And so in 2011, I was asked to fly out to Vegas, or rather LA, and speak at what was then known as Blog World, which yeah. was a big online marketing event for a fair few years before it kind of died a pretty early death, to be honest. But it was an interesting experience because whereas before I would be speaking many years back, I would speak in front of colleagues and people below me right. on the kind of the totem pole, so to speak. Whereas now I'm in a room, this is really like the first time I was in a room with, you know, a few hundred complete strangers, quite frankly. And yeah. um, to say that I was nervous would be an understatement, but I got through it. I provided great value with my content. I knew I knew the content better than anyone else in the room. So that was enough to sort of make me feel a little bit happy about it. But when you're on stage doing that for the first time and you look out in the crowd and you've got people like Darren Rouse and Leah Babalta and these other like big online names sure. and you're thinking all of the concurrent sessions they could go to, they're coming to mind. Why are they doing this? You know? And then it, it just, it went on, on and on and on from there. And as you well know, I've done opening and closing keynotes now to up to, seven, 800, 900 people. Yeah. But what I really love to do above and beyond everything else from a speaking perspective is actually, I prefer now to host and coach rather than speak. That was a natural evolution for me, going from doing lots of keynotes to holding my own events, both big and small, to hosting those events, to training and coaching at those events. That's the stuff that I love to do now more than anything else. And, you know, last November, we did the inaugural Youpreneur Summit mm -hmm. in London. And, uh, you know, I had four coaching sessions from stage, uh, 20 minutes a pop over the weekend. And then obviously I was hosting the event, introducing our other speakers and everything. And I was just like, as happy as a Pig and dirt. I just absolutely <laughs> just loved it. the dream. All right. So yeah. I'm curious then. So recently, uh, I mean, within the past couple of years or so, you started kind of this brand known as as Youpreneur, and again have the have the book coming out. So let's dig in for a second. Youpreneur is kind of one of those made up words that sounds cute and sounds sexy, but what exactly do you mean by it? It's a good question. So a Youpreneur is fundamentally the very core of what a Youpreneur is and what they do is they are an entrepreneur that builds a business based around them, their experience, their personality, and the people that they want to serve. So a youpreneur could be a coach or a consultant or a speaker or an author or a blogger, a podcaster, a live streamer, you name it, anybody building a business based around them and what they stand for. So what are like the key components that go into being a, a youpreneur, I guess? Well, I mean, I think self-awareness is a very, very important one. You know, right at the beginning of the book, we kind of, you know, handle that big 800-pound silverback gorilla right off the bat. And I think a lot of people actually struggle to try to figure out who they really are. And defining who you really are is actually the key because once you figure out who you are, what you can do better than anyone else, or at least differently than anyone else, that's sometimes even a better thing. 
who you want to serve, what you want to be known for within your market and your industry. Once you figure those things out, finding the perfect customer is actually not so much of a chore. Uh, and then obviously developing products, services, experiences for that perfect customer becomes even easier because you know that your rhetoric is is going to it's going to hit, it's not going to miss, or it'll hit a lot more than it misses. But those foundational pieces, while they're so critical, are also extremely, extremely difficult for a lot of people. So I know a lot of people reach out to us and say, hey, I'm super interested in speaking. I've done a handful of speaking gigs before. I'd love to get paid for this. And I'm just having a difficult time figuring out, A, who I want to be speaking to of all the different options that are out there on the buffet, but B, also figuring out what's the problem that ultimately I can solve for them. Or I know what the problem is that I want to, I can solve for people or know what I want to speak on. And I feel like it's for anybody and everybody. And we just want, we want to cast the net as far and wide as possible. So for someone who's getting started as a youpreneur, as a personal brand, as a speaker, and just trying to figure out those two big pieces of who am I serving and what's the problem that I'm solving? What do you recommend in terms of how people go about figuring those two pieces out? Oh, I love this question. You're so good. You, know, I mean, this, can we just have a quick aside real quick right now? How good is this guy? You know your job, don't you? What a great question. Okay, so here's the deal. I call this the Youpreneur Self-Awareness Test, okay? And what you do, anybody can do it. You get a piece of paper, you draw a line down the middle, and on one side, you write down what I call the flatter yourself list. Okay, this is all the stuff that you know you are magnifico at. Like, no one can beat you at this stuff. You're 100% confident that you can handle whatever it is you're putting on that left side of the piece of paper. Funnily enough, most speakers or anyone else with any kind of confidence, quite frankly, have no problem putting that list together. It's as long as you're armed by the time you're done, right? Now, on the other side of the arm, or the other side of the page, rather, you could write it on the other side of the arm, I don't know, but on the other side of the page, you write down what I call it the let's be real list. Yeah. This one, not so easy for A-type entrepreneurs and personalities to write because we believe we're great at everything. We don't struggle with anything at all. That's actually the more important list because once you become self-aware on what you do very, very well and what you kind of aren't that great at, you can focus obviously on doing more of what you enjoy doing what you're good at doing and not do so much of the stuff that you struggle with. That self-awareness is huge. That's absolutely huge because again, it almost turns into the roadmap for you to follow as you continue on the journey. But in order to be self-aware, it's it's a very delicate balance of recognizing what you are good at without having kind of this false humility, but at the same time knowing it's not like you're going on. Uh, I always think about like an American Idol audition and the people that are just absolutely horrible, but think that they're amazing. Mm-hmm. So is self-awareness something that you can learn or that you can pick up or like, how do you approach that? Well, I mean, I, I think that, I mean, I look, you're right. I mean, when you put it into the concept of an American Idol audition, we've all seen those utter train wrecks, sure. right? Where they walk in and they've got all this confidence just beaming out of them. And then Simon Cowell, you know, my fellow Brit, which just rips them a new one. It's the utter worst experience to watch unravel. And I mean, look, ultimately, can it be learned? I think so, to a certain degree. I think it might come easier to some people than others. But, you know, there are other little things you can do as well. Like, for example, content creators, right? If you're a speaker, you're a content creator. Whether you're blogging or podcasting, as well as actually taking speaking gigs and presenting from stage, you're creating and you're performing and you're marketing your content in some variety. When you first start as a content creator, 
what you're doing is you're creating content that you think, and that's the keyword right there, that you think your prospective audience is going to want to hear or see or consume from you, right? But it might not be. But sooner, further down the track, three, four, maybe six months down the track, when you've done it consistently enough and you have provided some level of value, what, what happens, something magical takes place. The audience becomes more freer, more open to talk to you, to reply to your comments, to comment on your blog, to tweet you or whatever the case may be. And they will then start opening up and telling you what they want to see or hear or to experience from you. And then what happens is the content creator, you go back and you start creating content that you know, and that's the key word there, that you know they want to see from you. So it might not happen overnight, but I think just making sure that you keep your ears open is sometimes all that's needed to make those little tweaks you need to make. No, I think there's a lot of truth to that. I know one of the things I tell speakers is whenever you're working on a, a new talk or a new story or a new bit or whatever, it's really kind of an educated guess until you get in front of an audience. I don't know yeah. how this is going to work. I don't know how this is going to resonate. I don't know how this is going to click or if it's going to click or not. And so oftentimes you get up on stage, you present something, and based on that real-time feedback, you're able to adjust accordingly of this worked, that didn't work, I need to do more of this and less of that. And you just don't know until you get up there. And so... Uh, it's obviously mm -hmm. true in the case of a for a speaker, but true, like you mentioned, in, in the case of a, a blog or a podcast or a video or something where you're getting a lot of that real-time feedback, more than just yeah. the, the content itself, but even kind of the direction that you're going. I know that you know you and I have, have both gone different directions in our business, and that's kind of based on getting some of that real-time feedback from Absolutely. people and, and adjusting accordingly. Absolutely. I mean, Youpreneur came about based on the fact that everybody started asking me questions about personal brand business yeah, because I was building businesses based around my personal brands. So how do you do it? How do you the products together? How do you launch the services? Why are people buying from you and not somebody else and all these things? And it was the personal brand element of Chris Ducker that people really liked. Or I should say they either liked it or they loathed it, one or the other. Right. See, I have the term where you market like a magnet. You attract the best and repel the rest. Yeah. Right. So at the very same time as attracting people that will ultimately end up putting their hand in their pocket with you, at the very same time, you'll be turning a load of people away that just don't like you or your vibe. They yeah. just don't like your message. And that's fine because we don't want to cloud the horizon. We want the horizon to be super, super clear. We need to know who we're marketing to. And that's a very good point that you made there in regards to sort of going out and getting feedback. This is why stand-up comics, right, right, right. these guys are geniuses geniuses at honing in their message for a one-hour TV special. They'll do 25 dates at crappy little comedy bars, even though they're getting two mil for the Netflix special or whatever it is. They'll go to all these crappy little joints to test the jokes out to see which one works, which one doesn't, and then they'll remove all the stuff that not, doesn't land or maybe tweak things up. And then when you go and pay your 60 bucks to go see them live – and they're actually on tour. Oh my God, it's a thing of beauty, isn't right. it? It looks like it's just, uh, they're just making it up on the fly and it all just magically so came good. together, but a lot lots we of had, behind the scenes. We had uh, one particular comedian come into the Philippines actually in December. His name is Joe Coy. Uh -huh. yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's a very, very funny guy. He's half Filipino. So he does a lot of stuff about his Filipino mom and all this kind of stuff. But I mean, even if you didn't have a connection to the Philippines or Filipino people, it's still just roll over with laughter. The guy is hilarious, but you know how many hours right. he's put into getting that one hour 
show down, you know? I want to go back to something we were talking about a little bit earlier in terms of kind of almost that, um, that expert myth <clears throat> of people feeling like I have an idea of who I want to speak to and what's the problem that I can solve for that audience. I know how I want to help people, but... I look ahead and I see that there's so many other people that I feel like know more about this than me and are better at this and that there's, you know, there's enough people talking about this or speaking on this subject or topic. So why me? Why would anyone care what I have to say? Why would anyone hire me as a speaker? So, and I think that that's the case, again, whether you're a speaker or you're a coach or consultant of, of why me and feeling like we're not good enough. So is there anything that we can do to kind of overcome that, that mental roadblock? Well, I, I think, you know, what you're talking about here is imposter syndrome, isn't it, yeah, right? Sure. I mean, that's kind of what everybody kind of calls it nowadays. Why should they be watching my videos? Why should they be tuning into my podcast? And the, the fact is this, you know, different strokes for different folks. Yeah. That's really what it comes down to. I mean, I am ultimately a business coach and mentor. That's what I do now. There are a gazillion business coaches and mentors out there, but there's only one Chris Ducker. Right. And again, you know, you market like the magnet. You, what you really want to do as a personal brand entrepreneur is you want to become somebody's favorite. That's it. Yeah. Somebody's favorite speaker, somebody's favorite podcaster, somebody's favorite YouTuber, whatever it is. If you can hook somebody on the line like that, as your varying interests change, as they inevitably will at some point in the future, and you and I have both pivoted in our businesses over the last four or five years, mm -hmm. what happens is those people that are hardcore fans, the raving fans, they will actually pivot with you. They'll follow you because they understand the journey. They get it. They respect you. They love you, quite frankly. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've had people send me stuff to the Philippines from all over the world. I mean, everybody knows that I, I'm a proud Brit and I've got, you know, Union Jacks and stuff in my, in my office. There's a teapot behind me. You can't see it because of my swing arm, but there it is. You can there see there's is, a there teapot behind I can me confirm. right here. <laughs> it's a real teapot. Like it's a ceramic teapot. It turned up in a box, probably the same size as like, you know, like a big Lego box, yeah, right? Yeah. With tons of bubble wrap all around and everything. Somebody from Canada sent me this thing. Yeah. It wasn't, it didn't come from London. Right, right. It came from Canada to the Philippines. So, you know what? I'm clearly that person's favorite something, right? Sure. So, I don't think it's about necessarily being better. I think it's actually about being different. And that's what Sally Hogshead says all the time. You know, being different is better than being better. She is so bang on the money there, it's almost scary. I would much rather be me all the time than try and be a version of me that's not the real version. Because I know that if I am me all the time, what you see is what you get. And uh, if you don't like what you're getting, it's okay. I'm sure there's somebody else out there that can serve up what you need. I know at this point, you know, knowing you personally and professionally, I know that you are very comfortable in your own skin. You're very comfortable in, in who you are. And I know for a lot of, especially entrepreneurs, that especially early on, that that's a, and not just early on, but I think for a, 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 throughout the, the journey of entrepreneurship, that can be very, very difficult because we want people to like us. We want to connect with people. We see, oh, that's working for someone else. So maybe I should be, that's the type of speaker they are and they're getting a lot of booking. So maybe I should do that. Or, or here's how that speaker dresses or talks. And so maybe I should do that. So talk us through kind of the evolution of how you have got to a point where you are comfortable in your own skin and you recognize that not only is that healthy, but at the same time, it's also a, a great marketing asset for oh, being man. able to attract the right type of clients that you work with. 
Totally. Yeah, completely. I mean, when I first started blogging and podcasting in, in 2010, I was already running a relatively good-sized corporate business, B2B business, a call center. We had about 130 employees, maybe a few more, maybe 150 employees. I still own that company now. It's 450 people working in there. I don't go there anymore. People have it run it for me now. But getting back to 2010, I start blogging. I start podcasting. Man, it was brutally hard, Grant, brutally hard, because it wasn't me. I wasn't being me at all. I was being a version that I figured that if my corporate clients discovered my blog or my podcast, they'd see the same Chris that they see in the B2B business meetings. And when Chris flies to San Francisco to our HQ, this is the way Chris is. You know, I, come on, I'm a service provider. I'm a business partner. Right. I'm going to be professional all times, blah, 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 blah. And it took me about a year to figure out that I was actually conning myself and pretty much everyone else that I came into contact with online not ripping them off financially, but just conning them into thinking that I was somebody that I wasn't in because of the way that I was talking and acting. And I kind of just, I decided going into 2011, you know, I'm going to be me all the time. If people don't like it, then kind of, yeah, whatever sort of type thing. Yeah. And what happened was that actually led me to develop my first like real big keynote. End of 2012 conference in Vegas, I presented what what I called the business of you. And I told that story about coming out of that kind of smoke and mirror shell mm -hmm. and telling real stories about my failures as well as my wins and showing people how to build relationships with handshakes and hugs and high fives and not just relying on Twitter and email and all that kind of stuff. And the business of you, I mean, I told lots of great stories about bad P2P or people to people or good P2P and they laughed and they cried and they, all this stuff. And I realized by the time I was done with that 45 minute keynote that holy moly, this is something more than just a live session here. Yeah. This can be something so much bigger. And that's actually what developed into the Youpreneur brand, the community, the live events, the coaching and all the rest of it. But I'll say this to really answer your question. Understand that when you build the business of you, it's 100% original. No matter what industry you're in, no matter what content you're creating, no matter who you're serving or what you're selling, when you build the business of you, it's 100% original. It cannot be copied. Yeah. And that in itself ultimately leads you to becoming future-proof. And that's a beautiful thing. Yeah, for sure. So you have done a, a lot of speaking. You've done a lot of coaching. And I think for a lot of speakers, they get to a point where, all right, I'm doing some speaking, and now I'm starting to look at some of the other opportunities that exist. I'm interested in maybe hosting my own event or a workshop, or I'm interested in doing some coaching or consulting or having an online product or having a physical product or writing a book or all of these different things that you could do that oftentimes go into what makes a personal brand. One of the things I always tell people is, is you can do it all. You just can't do it all today. So something's going to happen first, right. something's going to happen last. So for someone that's going, okay, I'm doing some speaking and I want to start really starting to build out my personal brand more beyond just having to get on a plane and go speak all the time. What do you recommend? What are some of those next steps for a speaker who's wanting to, to begin to build their brand? Well, I think, you know, a book is, it's a no brainer. I mean, in, in terms of a positioning strategy, you know, writing a book, publishing a book, whether it's independently or self-published or whether it's traditional, when your name is on the book on a subject that you are speaking on and yeah. want to be known for, 
it kind of legitimizes everything about you and your expertise, right? Particularly if you've got a whole bunch of reviews up on Amazon. So I think that a book is probably one of the best expert positioning strategies that anybody wanting to build a personal brand business should you know, focus in on right out the gate. Now, when you talk about monetization, which you brought up there, courses and events and all these other sort of types of things, you know, really the lowest hanging monetization fruit for speakers is actually private coaching and consulting. Almost every speaker that I know personally makes money, a lot of money, consulting with other entrepreneurs or small businesses or larger multinationals or whatever the case may be. I'll never forget walking down the road in Philadelphia at the National Speakers Association annual conference. I was walking down a road with with Jay Bear, mm-hmm. who I know that you're good friends with. And, and Jay kind of told me what he was charging for his keynotes. And he's booked. I mean, the guy is a full-time speaker, yeah, ultimately. Sure. But then he shared with me how much he was making, or in and around about way, how much he was making from a consultancy perspective. Yeah. And it far eclipsed what he was making from the keynote side of things. So that's just one example. I mean, I I remember just after Virtual Freedom came out, my first book, I was in Australia and I was speaking. I was doing the Virtual Freedom keynote at a conference in Sydney. Just by pure chance, I get an email in Sydney when I'm there from a guy in Melbourne, which is, I think, about a three-hour flight or something like that, right? And he says to me, Chris, just finished your book game-changing. We're a family-owned accounting company. I've just inherited the firm full-time from my father, and I want to bring it out of the dinosaur ages and into the 21st century. We'd love for you to come to Melbourne from the Philippines. He had no idea I was in Sydney. Come to Melbourne from the Philippines. We'll pay for your flights. We'll pay for your hotels. Whatever, you know, how much is your fee for a couple of days just to come and hang out at the office and talk us through all this stuff? So I replied back to the guy, And I said, I'm in Sydney. I'm here for two days speaking. If you want to pay for all extensions on the trip and et cetera, et cetera, I'll come to Sydney. I'll spend one day with you because I've got to get home to my family and I'll charge you $15,000 for it. He got back to me within a matter of minutes. Boom. Consulting gig, 15 grand. So I instantly said, sugar, I should have charged the guy 20. You know what I mean? Like, you know, but it's just, it just goes to show you there's so many opportunities. Online courses, pick that one really big point, that one really big moment in your live presentation that you know is a massive answer to a huge aha moment for the people in the audience. Please turn that into a course and put a $500 fee on it. Please do that. Please. You're leaving so much money on the table. It's insane. Smaller mastermind sessions or workshops, even larger events. I mean, you know, we just got done with the Upano Summit in November in London. There was almost 300, oh, there was 360 odd people there. But that wasn't my first event. You know, I started my first events in 2011 with eight people yeah. sitting around a table. So it's, there's so many opportunities for a personal brand entrepreneur. And, you know, from a speaker's perspective specifically, speakers are, our DNA is not right. Like we've got issues. <laughs> we like being on stage for some reason. No, I think we do. We, 
we love the attention and that enables us to build that personal brand business so much easier i think as well yeah and there's a you know you mentioned someone like a jay bear and there's several speakers that i know that we both know who they do a lot of speaking and it's it's less about the speaking and more about the lead gen of what it's able to do beyond the stage and what they're able to generate in business from like you said from a coaching or consulting or some other financial means in their business and so i think that that's that's important for speakers to recognize that there's a lot of ways to use speaking to generate additional revenue streams beyond that. So for a speaker who's going, okay, again, I, I I can't do it all, and but I recognize that I want to maybe do some more coaching or consulting. You know, you mentioned that that one kind of fell in your lap. Is there anything that you would recommend for a speaker that's saying, okay, I'm on stage or I'm, I'm speaking at a particular specific event. How can I best utilize that event to get the most bang for the buck and really maximize it? Well, I think, you know, some somebody told me many years ago, and I can't remember who it was now, but somebody said to me, no matter what audience you're addressing, no matter who you're in front of, there's a good 5% of that audience that is probably going to be a client of yours at some point in the future, in some way, shape, or form, in terms of hiring you as a speaker at an event or suggesting you as a speaker at somebody's event that they know. So understand that, you know, the best time to land the next gig is at the current gig. Yeah, you know, like I'm acutely aware of something like that. Just like the best time to sell tickets to the next event is at this year's event. Yeah. You know, you always have to, you know, you hit people when they're hot. One thing that I see a lot of speakers do, uh, particularly when they become more established, don't do this. Don't be a bloody hot shot, right? Don't do your gig, do your speech, then walk off the stage and rush down the corridor and go back to your little hotel room and or you know jump on an airplane or whatever genuinely not only some of the best relationships that i have now but also some of the best business that i've gotten through joint ventures and teaming up with people and working as coach as either a coach or a mentor all these things they've all come about because when i'm done on stage I stick around at the event for at least a good few hours for anybody that has got a question or might be a prospective customer to come up to me and engage with me. And I always make myself very, very, very aware of that and available. I mean, you know yourself, you came out to Tropical Think Tank and spoke there. I mean, it's hard to escape a tropical island. (laughs) So the, the one thing that we always used to get from the attendees there was like, I can't believe the available the, you know, the availability of the speakers. Everybody's so cool, so available, so open. That's what you want to be. You want to be just like that. Yeah, I think that's a great point. And I always try to remind myself and other speakers that you never know who's in the audience. You have never. no idea who's out there. You have no idea who who they're connected to. I remember speaking at an event several years ago, and um, it was a uh, I had a student come up to me and say, "Hey." My grandpa is in charge of some big wig event, and I just texted him, said he needs to have you come speak, and then the guy ended up booking me. I love that stuff. You know, and like those things are just like you have no idea who's out there. And I remember, like early on, like a first big one of the a big break that I had was speaking at an event and a small little tiny conference, and the wife of the national conference planner was there, and immediately you know, contacted her husband, said, Hey, you need to have Grant and and he ended up booking me for several events. But just again, like you have no idea who's out there, who's related to who, who can recommend you. And like you mentioned, your your best marketing is just showing up and doing a great job. And that's the type of stuff mm. that leads to additional speaking engagements, but also leads to 
Grant, Chris, or whoever is the type of person that I just want to do business with in some form or yeah. fashion, whether that's consulting or coaching or or recommending this person to other people as a speaker, but just showing up and being a great speaker, but also being a great human being off stage makes a huge, huge difference. And it doesn't cost you anything, right? You know, it, it costs maybe a little bit of time, but it's time that's well invested. And you're, you know, you're absolutely right. You just don't know who's sitting there listening and, and watching you. You've got, just got no idea. I remember actually years ago, I noticed that there was a lady in the audience right at the front, just writing copious amounts of notes as I was on stage uh, presenting. And she comes up to me, uh, she's a middle-aged lady, maybe just uh, just eclipsing her 50s at the time. And she comes up to me afterwards and she says to me, darling, you were fantastic. Now I'm in America and it's an English accent. Yeah. So I instantly think, oh, thank gosh, it's one of my people is here. <laughs> you know. <laughs> and so and she said, darling, you were brilliant. You're obviously very successful. You look successful. You talk like you're successful. You're dressed well. You, you know, you're well-crafted and blah, 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 blah. But then she says, but if I ever hear you speak again and hear you say the word stuff 11 times in 45 minutes, I will absolutely strangle you. And I turned around, I looked at her and I said, who are you? And she says, my name is Patricia Fripp. And I was, oh my gosh, I knew I knew yeah. the bloody accent. Patricia Fripp is like the NSA Speaker of the Year. Like, I mean, she's got more NSA Speaker of the Year awards than Michael she's Jordan's got rings. You know what I mean? And so I turn around and I say to her, I need more of that feedback. Can I take you to breakfast tomorrow morning? And she said, yes, okay. And I had a three-hour breakfast with her the next morning. And I just got all the – gleamed all this greatness from her. And we've actually become very good friends. Yeah. So you just never know who's in the audience. She yeah. is a legend. There's no doubt about it. That's awesome. Hey, man, well, yeah. we appreciate you taking the time to uh, to hang out with us. If people want to find out more about you, what you're up to, and uh, go pick up the book, uh, where can we go? Well, the book is at riseoftheupreneur.com. That's Y-O-U-preneur. More about me at Chris Ducker on all the socials and then ChrisDucker.com. Awesome, brother. Thanks for the time, man. We appreciate you. Thank you for having me. All right, there you go. Hope you enjoyed that conversation with Chris Ducker. Again, I'd encourage you to check out his new book, Rise of the Youpreneur. You can also check out his website over at chrisducker.com. Hey, like I mentioned at the top of the show, make sure you check out the free training that we offer teaching you exactly how to find and book paid speaking engagements. So once again, you can stop by freespeakerworkshop.com. Again, that is freespeakerworkshop.com. And we will see you there, my friend. We'll catch you next time. You're awesome.